Welcome to the Broken Pie Chart Podcast, episode number 134. I'm your host, Derek Moore, and this week, I'm going to be talking a little about stagflation. Somebody passed me an article that said the number of searches on Google spiked. I don't know if it's an all-time high. We didn't have Google around in the 1970s, late 1970s, early 80s. But there's been a lot of talk recently about this possibility of stagflation uh, just on, I think it was a Wall Street Journal or Bloomberg had a, a piece and there were some quotes in there saying that the market might be trying to digest whether it's a stagflation situation. So anyway, I, I've had a couple of requests for an episode on this and I, I thought I would, I would get into it, you know, what stagflation is, what you should look out for what we're sort of seeing in the markets and, and maybe a, a little nuance on, on sort of supply and demand. Also want to remind everybody, uh, if you haven't already checked it out, uh, this, our topic today really coincides with what we covered last week. Uh, Marcel Benjamin came on, gave an absolute masterclass in tips bonds, treasury inflation protected securities. They are, thought of as you know one of the first things off the shelf that people think about when they think about inflation and so that episode I'd encourage everybody to check it out because it was really again a master class went through great detail about how what they are how they work when they work versus when a regular bond works you know getting into break even inflation rates and all sorts of things so I'll put a link to that in the episode I will also put a link in the episode notes. So you got to be checking out those show notes. Uh, of course, you know, you can check out all the episodes on Apple, Spotify. What, where else is this thing? It's, I think, Amazon. Yeah, it's on Amazon now. I mean, the way podcasts work is it's, it's basically an RSS feed. So any, any number of, you can get this everywhere, basically. It, it just pulls in an RSS feed. So, but I'll link to that for sure. All right, so stagflation. The easy, now you know what inflation is. It's rising prices or sustained rising prices. And we know that's been in the news of late. But stagflation is a little bit specific. We haven't seen it since the late 1970s. And the quick definition would be you have rising prices. So those are going up. You have slowing growth. And when we say slowing growth, really we're talking about GDP. Of course, GDP is the measurement of all the finished goods in the economy. So if you're making a baseball hat, let's say, and there's woolen there, there's cardboard, there's metal, little button on the top, right? Uh, you know, I guess stitching. Is there some, uh, maybe probably some plastic in there as well. But all of those are intermediate goods, and so GDP doesn't count like the cardboard and the wool and all those things. It counts just the finished good. So the final good is the, the hat when it sells. And so stagflation, rising prices, slowing growth, usually unemployment is going up, which means employment is going down. And if you remember back to this is going to be a little econ 101. Don't want to uh, scare anybody. We won't do, get into too crazy amount of economics today. 
but you think of the old supply and demand graphs. All right. Now you can't see what I'm looking at, so I don't expect you to to understand supply and demand graphs. But for those of you who this is familiar, um, this will be a quick review. And for those that are not, uh, basically you, you look on a graph and it's uh, you draw a line that goes from the bottom left-hand corner all the way up to the top right corner. That's the whole supply to the sky thing, if you need to remember that. And then demand to the dirt. You draw the demand line from the upper left-hand corner down to the right-hand corner. And where those two lines intersect is sort of the equilibrium. It's where supply meets demand. And so typically in an economy, you've got the total demand, you've got the total supply. And so one of the, the things that, uh, you know, stagflation, a lot of times stagflation could be caused by, and in fact, in the 1970s, stagflation, a lot of people point to uh, the oil, the embargo on oil, supply shocks. Uh, those of you who were around in the 70s remember there were some days where you could go and get gas if you had an even numbered license plate. And then you couldn't go get gas those days. Let's say Tuesdays were even numbered license plates. So if you had an odd numbered plate, you couldn't go on Tuesdays and Thursdays. You had to go on Mondays and Wednesdays and, you know, it's sort of alternated, right? Um, but that was a, a case of a supply shock and you had rising prices there. So supply shock is where the, the supply shifts. So I'll explain it for those of you who understand what a graph is. Supply would shift uh, up and to the left and what that really means is supply and demand has this equilibrium. Well, guess what? When all else equal, if supply uh, is constrained, supply gets, gets cut, there's less stuff available to meet the demand. What happens is that uh, it moves and prices rise, but the demand at those prices falls. And so if you think about it, there's less supply, so things cost more. And then as prices go up, uh, there's not as much demand. And so the output, quantity of output goes down, the price goes up. And this in turn is, in theory, uh, causes growth to, to slow. Now, a lot of times, too, there is rising uh, in, when we have rising inflation, there are rising interest rates as well. We saw that in the late 1970s. And I'm going to come back to that. I'll put a pin in that for now because um, that is a challenge for the Fed. And the Fed likes to use monetary tools. Um, you know, but when there's rising... Anyway, let, let me come back to that. Let me, let me stick on supply for a second. So a lot of times what you have is you've got this supply shock that leads to higher prices, lower growth, because if prices go up too much, then the demand goes down. And so what, what are the things right now that really kind of, you know, pop out of you? Well, if you've been following the news, you know that there is a shortage of semiconductors. And there's also uh, a lot of, there was a, a shortage of lumber that seems to, to come back down to equilibrium now. But there's also been a problem with the global supply chains around shipping and container shipping specifically. 
So when you go back and you look, think about, you know, February and March of, of 2020, what happens? Well, government lockdowns, uh, COVID all of a sudden taking hold and business owners. So let's just break this down to a single business owner. Imagine you owned a record store. All right. I know those aren't really around anymore. Did, are there even CD stores? Are there even music stores? Maybe secondhand, maybe secondhand stores. Well, most people buy their music online now, not in a record, certainly, although that is, there are some aficionados uh, who really, really like the idea of vinyl and they and they use record players. I think I saw Tom Cruise was on Jimmy Fallon one time. And they're both audiophiles, and they they spent a lot of money and got a home studio set up with the uh, the vinyl record player, and they listen to those things, you know, in a specific way. It does have a different sound, by the way. All right. So anyway, let let's go back to our completely made up, fictitious uh, example. So we got got a guy who owns a record store, and he's got all this this stock, meaning he's got records on hand. He's got the stuff he has out on the uh, on the floor, and he has stuff. It's in the back room. So he he sees what's going on with COVID. He sees lockdowns and says, okay, I need to, this is going to be bad. I need to reduce prices, just get rid of this stock. Because if I don't get rid of it, remember, you, you don't get your money back on your investment until you actually, you sell the things, right? So I'm going to reduce prices. I want to reduce my inventories get rid of all the stuff in the back, get rid of as much as, and this is going to be bad for a while. Well, what happens? Well, instead of having a prolonged, you know, really, really bad downturn, um, and then with the shift to online ordering and everything, sort of the exact opposite thing happened. And the thing I described to you just now is what happened in lumber. So lumber, I listened to uh, in Odd Lots, uh, Tracy Alloway and, and uh, Joe Weisenthal from Bloomberg. They did a whole episode on the lumber market. And their guest described that you had inventory, said, oh, this is going to be bad. Let me get rid of inventory. And the exact opposite happened. So what happened? Well, in housing, demand went up and all of a sudden, you know, lumber prices went through the roof because you couldn't get any. And and then with the general economy, you had stimulus that came in. So fiscal response where the government was sending checks, they did two big rounds of that. And there's any number of other programs from the PPP, disaster loans on the business side to enhanced unemployment and you know, rent forbearance or mortgage forbearance, any number of things. And a lot of those are, are going to come to an end. So that's an important point to, to mention is that, you know, as those things end, we'll have to see if that changes some of the, uh, the equilibriums in, in the current market and the, you know, from an economic side. But if you look, though, at what happened, so inventory levels dropped, all of a sudden, Demand increased, online ordering, the Amazon type stuff, right? And so all of a sudden, there is a, and by the way, a lot of factories were impacted from COVID, uh, especially factories in China. So supply has been decreased. And not only that, but there's this, this container shipping situation where 
the cost to, to have a container went from something like a thousand or fifteen hundred bucks to go from Shanghai to Los Angeles. I think it's over eleven thousand now or ten thousand five hundred. And also contain, you know, with the the shipping container thing. And I did a whole episode on this. So I'll, I'll definitely link to it. Cause I think this is it's something I've been watching for a long time. And it it was below the radar. It's certainly not below the radar anymore, especially after that ship got stuck in the Suez Canal. But it it's just it it's definitely something on the periphery that's that's making a difference. So rest, you know, restocking inventories. And then you got the shipping thing where, in fact, the other day, the, they said, what, there were 60 ships off anchored off the coast of uh, Los Angeles waiting to, to come in. That's, I think that was a new record. So this all comes back to the supply side. So you've got stagflation. Um, I'm not saying we do have that, but one of, the as- one of the things that people point to is potentially causing stagflation is some sort of a supply shock like we had with oil and the embargo uh, in the 1970s. And so restocking inventories, less supply, more problems logistically getting it to different places. And especially this this comes into play with the just-in-time manufacturing. Uh, A lot of these manufacturers need different components. They come from all over the place. I saw a news story, I think it was in Bloomberg, where Toyota said they expect to have production down 40%. I'm doing that from memory, but if you Google uh, Toyota production, I'm sure you can find it. And the reason why they say is because the the shift, uh, the sh- not the shift, the, uh, uh, the semiconductor is now, I think there's a wait of something like 20 something, 22 weeks on an order and same uh if you haven't checked out the odd lots uh by the way podcast it's probably worth worth checking out uh, they've they've talked about semiconductors but i i also saw something from goldman sachs they had one of their analysts on and one of the things they said with regard to autos was that they don't have really first priority right now because demand for electronics never waned and so that's where all the, the semiconductors are going, where the car manufacturers had, had slowed down production. And so they're kind of in the back of the line now. But anyway, so Toyota said, you know, 40% drop. And that's one of the things you're seeing in, in not only used cars, but in the new car market, production's down, supply is down, prices are up. So this all comes back to, is, are we seeing stagflation right now? And I, I see why people are, are bringing it up. And I will tell you that uh, the Atlanta Fed, G, or Federal Reserve Bank of Atlanta, they run a GDP now, uh, now cast, which means they take every bit of data that comes in on GDP, gross domestic product, and they make an adjustment. So it's very sensitive. You don't know what the final GDP will be. But their their revisions are lower than let's say the uh, the core the um, you know the median economic forecast. But we still do have you know at least uh, I think it, it went from seven percent down to three and a half percent on an annualized basis forecast for Q three. Uh, still really far away from having all the data on that. So 
what do we have? We do have prices that have risen. And I go back to, you know, the things that are, there's the sticky CPI and there's the the flexible CPI. And the stuff that's flexible absolutely has gone up. The stuff that's more sticky, though, has not moved. It hasn't really budged. Last time we saw that stuff go up was the late 70s into the early 80s. And so that's something I've been watching so far that it hasn't happened. Uh, do we have rising prices, though? Yeah, uh, certainly. Although used cars, they're still up year over year, but the, the rate of change has slowed. And remember, if you're looking at CPI, Consumer Price Index, year over year, uh, you're looking at a point in time. So August of 21 to August of 20. And then you look at month over month. And in fact, the month over month was still up, but it had slowed. The rate of, of change slowed there. So I would say, uh, do we have slowing growth? I think the projections have come down, but they're still positive for GDP. Do we have rising prices? Yes. Not everywhere. Uh, do we have a supply side issue? Um, yeah, I would say so. Um, well, the big question is, when does that get worked? Does it just work itself out? Uh, that is to be determined. And what about unemployment? Well, the jobs numbers were a little mixed. Certainly the job hiring has not been as much. Remember I mentioned those, um, those uh, unemployment benefits. You know, we'll have to see what happens there. So some of the enhanced unemployment is coming off. Uh, some of the, uh, the, I think the Supreme Court struck down uh, the CDC's ban on foreclosures, not foreclosures, uh, evictions. Uh, so, so we'll have to see if that, that sort of is, uh, makes any difference. And you might not see that for a couple months. So, and the other thing too is we are seeing rising wages. So typical, you know, the classical economics says if you were, let's say tomorrow you were to put a $35 minimum wage across the board, you would expect wages to go up, but you would expect the number of jobs to go down uh, because there's only so much, let's say, demand at certain levels of price for, for labor. But we, we are seeing some wage, wages go up. And I didn't mention wages growing as part of the stagflation equation, but I would put it in there. It's not one of the classical ones you first think of, but I would put it in there. So will we see stagflation? Uh, I think it's unclear. It's mixed. I understand why people are putting out the notion of it, but I, I think we you know, due to COVID and do some of the supply side stuff, it's, you may not know for, for a little while. And heck, that's, that's the thing with all things in economics. Uh, you'll know it after the fact once you see it. Here's the specific challenge, though, with stagflation. And it's why it's the one that you really don't want, at least if you believe that the Federal Reserve has a very big impact with economic policy on, you know, getting out of recessions, preventing recessions, all that type of stuff. And that's a, that's a whole separate debate. But when you think about responses, you can have fiscal response, fiscal meaning government, uh, 
For example, the stimulus checks, that was a fiscal response. And then you have the Federal Reserve. They can raise or lower interest rates. They can go out into the open market. They can buy assets. They could sell assets. They could expand their balance sheet. They can also do things that are a little more technical. Uh, for example, the things they're doing right now in the, the overnight reverse repo market, where they're up to about a trillion dollars a day. I did an episode on the, on the, the repo market. Uh, I'm going to write myself a note that I need to, uh, to link to that episode as well, because I think that one is an episode you want to listen to at some point if you're interested in what's going on with the Federal Reserve. It's a little bit below the radar there, although I have seen you know, some, some mentions of that of late. All right, so why is this? And, and by the way, the fiscal response, that is a question, because if it is a supply-side issue, a supply shock, the, the wrong thing to do, or, or I shouldn't say the wrong thing, yeah, I guess who could, you know, if you throw a bunch of money at a supply side shock, typically that could exacerbate the the issue. And you know, so that's that's a question there, uh, whether or not the fiscal response of it was in fact supply shock, supply side all along, throwing money at the problem, uh, maybe not the best thing. If it's demand side, the classical. Keynesian economists believe that the government has to come in with a fiscal response when there's a, a demand side problem, meaning demand is what's causing the problem. Demand is waning. And so they got to come in with fiscal response to make up that, that gap. So that is, a, that is an interesting thing to think about because two stimulus rounds, awful lot of money, uh, more money coming, Maybe, uh, depending upon what gets passed or not passed. Yeah, supply side, generally the, the textbook says you don't throw money at uh, a supply side problem. In other words, think about back to the 1970s. Like the problem wasn't necessarily, at least I, I shouldn't, it's a broader conversation. Uh, but you wouldn't have solved high oil prices by giving people more money to buy oil, Right. Uh, that would just increase the demand further, pushing up prices further. So anyway, but let's go let's talk about the Fed, though. The reason why they don't like this scenario is because typically it's it's at odds. And so if you have falling growth, the typical thing they do is what? They lower interest rates. And they believe that lowering rates will help increase demand. It will you know get things going in the economy. The contra side of that or the reverse side is that if you've got runaway inflation, what's the first thing that they think about doing? Well, you raise rates to to cool off the economy. And so doing one helps one thing, at least in the Fed's eyes, doing the other helps the other thing. But if you have slowing growth, falling GDP and rising uh, interest rates, those, you know, doing one hurts one out of the two that you're helps one out of the two that you're trying to help and hurts one out of the two that you're you're you don't want to get worse. So the Fed is in a little bit of a box in the case of stagflation. And that's why whenever it comes up, you hear economists and people talk about it, you know, sometimes using some daunting phrases because 
it really is a little bit of a, a challenge there. All right, so what should you be watching? Um, oh, and by the way, one one other thing for those of you who remember the supply and demand graphs, there there is, you know, I kind of gave a couple, and I'll talk about some things to watch. Uh, one thing somebody brought up though of why this isn't stagflation, I'll give you the other side of this, is that you know demand is is growing, and because of the fiscal stimulus, now does it continue to to stay as strong as it's been uh, after? You know the last of some of the uh, the different stimulus programs. We'll see about this third one. But if if supply shifts and supply is lower, uh, all else equal, you know prices go higher, but demand for the same number of quantity of units goes down. But if if supply shifts and demand shifts, well then you have you know same number of units but at higher prices means that you know in theory the GDP is is not going to decline there so um, a lot of, a lot of wild cards there okay so here's what you should be watching there's um, I did an episode on sticky versus flexible inflation so I would start watching that if you google uh, flexible or sticky CPI it brings you to uh, the Atlanta Fed site and there's a great graph you can go all the way back to the late actually to the late 60s, early 70s. And you can see the historical on that. So I'd watch that every month. Uh, for example, September 14th, just uh, a week ago, less than a week ago, that was this week, the new CPI came out. So you should be watching there. But you want to go in, there's a PDF that the Bureau of Labor Statistics, the BLS, also puts out along with the headline numbers. So if you watch CNBC, you see, oh, month over month, it was up X percent or year over year. But then you want to look at the, the details. And when you go into the details, you'll see the month over month change and the year over year for all these items. So if you want to look at soups versus cars versus airline tickets, all, all sorts of things like that. And that gives you a lot of good information. Uh, the unemployment numbers that come out, you can see the not only the unemployment rate, but the labor participation rate. So this is where the Fed in their uneven quote unquote presentation from the Jackson Hall that went virtual this year, they talked about we have unemployment, the rate is, is dropping, that's good, but we're nowhere near the labor participation rate we were at. I mean, the, the amount of people that are working among the um you know, what percentage of the of of the available labor force is actually participating, right? And so that that's one to to take a look at. And then the the other thing I would start to, if you haven't already, go ahead and and start following some of the stuff on the container shipping. And I think that will be an interesting that and semiconductors, because. Those are two areas that are causing some pain in those markets. And so th those are certainly things. Okay. So look, I'm going to put a, a lot of links into this episode. Uh, I think I jotted down most of them, but obviously you can, we're up to 134 episodes now. So you can go back through any of your, your favorite provider of podcast and go peruse the, uh, the archives. There's a, 
we've done episodes on any number of topics at this point. And uh, again, check out last week's Marcel Benjamin gave an absolute masterclass in treasury inflation protected securities. Also, by the way, also really laid out why interest rates going up or down uh, cause bond prices to move and some really interesting nuances with bonds at lower interest rates versus when bonds had higher coupon, quote unquote, interest rates, right? So I urge you to, to go back and check out last week's episode. So if you're listening to this one, all it is, is it's one, one before it. Just go back one. So, all right, everyone. We're going to have some more guests coming up that I look forward to. Uh, you'll hear more about those. And again, if you have a, an idea for an episode or a topic you want me to cover, uh, just go. I'll put my uh, email in the show notes, and you can certainly email me. And uh, love any feedback on these episodes. And still waiting for our first listener from Gibraltar by the way. If you know any Gibraltans, is that how you say it? Uh, It's great though. I I do look at which countries people are listening to and it always surprises me where uh, where some people are, are tuning in. So, all right, everyone, we will talk to you next week. Take care.